Welcome to the first episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. On today's show, we'll speak with Jerry Kroll, the founder of Vancouver-based electric vehicle manufacturer Mechanica. You might be familiar with the company's three-wheeled single-seat solo, which has been displayed at auto shows across the country and has been a bit of a sensation on social media platforms. Jerry epitomizes the passion that people working in the electric vehicle segment have, not just for the remarkable technology itself, but also for the bigger picture of what technology means to the future of our planet. But before we get to the interview, here's what's making news in the EV world right now. I recently attended the grand opening of the Porsche Taycan factory in Stuttgart, Germany. The Taycan is Porsche's first ever all-electric production car and represents the first of many EVs the fabled sports car company will bring to its loyal customer base in the coming years. As you can imagine, the $200,000 sports sedan is a thing of beauty, both aesthetically and technically. But what is really newsworthy about the Taycan is the purpose-built factory in which it is produced. Porsche calls it a zero-impact factory, and the facility uses electricity from renewable sources and biogas to generate heat. The new production buildings are designed to be extremely energy efficient. The company says it is on track to have the entire Taycan production process to be carbon neutral by 2022. That's impressive. A couple of days after the Taycan factory opening, I attended the press day of the Frankfurt Motor Show, an event somewhat diminished from past years due to the absence of a number of automakers. However, the Volkswagen Group was there in force and wowed the world's motoring press with the unveiling of its much-anticipated all-electric vehicle, the VW ID3. It looks sort of like a Golf GTI on steroids, has an advertised full-charge range of nearly 400 kilometers, and has a very futuristic interior. That's the good news. The bad news is that it won't be for sale here in Canada. For Canadian fans of VW who want an EV, you'll have to wait until an all-electric crossover comes in a couple of years' time. And finally, Mazda has announced it will be revealing its first-ever EV next month at the Tokyo Motor Show. This is significant, as for many years, the Japanese company maintained it would not be entering the all-electric segment, preferring to continue to improve upon its sky-active gas engine technology in the name of lowered emissions and efficiency. I've always been a big fan of Mazda vehicles, so I'm delighted and excited to be headed to Tokyo for the show next month to see what their engineers and designers have come up with. And I'll just add, it's about time. Okay, that's it for the EV news. Let's talk to Jerry. Well, I'm uh, pleased to have Jerry Kroll visit us today. Jerry is a entrepreneur by trade, I suppose. He's born and bred in Vancouver, grew up as a son of a greenhouse owner in the flower business, but uh, Jerry had a bit of wanderlust in him and um, also the heart of a racer, which took him into... uh, chasing the dream of becoming a race car driver. He did become a race car driver, but uh, he certainly made his name more as an entrepreneur in a number of fields. Welcome, Jerry. Thanks very much. It's great to be here in your illustrious new uh, studios. Our palatial post-media Broadway this Tech Center amazing, studio. amazing, right? I- I'm sure Howard Stern, if he sees this, he'll be uh, upping the ante to get back at you. Obviously, an EV podcast. Jerry is the... Um, well, it's interesting. As of Monday, he was the CEO of Mechanica, which is a Vancouver-based EV builder. Um, but he's no longer that. He now has an even more impressive title, which is Chief Visionary Officer. He's also on the board, and he's the largest stockholder of the company. So let's just ask you this question, Jerry, to start out. What was the first electric vehicle you ever drove? The first electric vehicle I ever drove, I owned a indoor go-karting center down, uh, it was right beside the white spot on Marine Drive, 
And these guys from Briggs and Stratton came over. It must have been like 1993. They came over and they had an electric go-kart. And they said, we should replace all of our gas go-karts with these because we had vents and everything. And I got into this thing and I drove it. And I remember it was like getting shot out of a slingshot. This is amazing. And I can <laughs> still remember the this, this surprise feeling. How could you get this much torque in this, in this go-kart? It was brilliant. And uh, never really connected with those guys, but I always had a thing back in my mind that an electric car that you could drive would be just like those little Mattel Sizzler toys that we had as kids. Why can't we make those one-to-one? <laughs> and the answer to the question is, we can make them one-to-one, right. and they're every bit as exciting as we thought they'd be. You pursued driving race cars, but they weren't electric cars. You were involved in the Indy series. Was it kart back then, or was it Indy? It's hard to... Keep hard track remember, of what yeah. all that happened. Yeah, it was it was cart back in 1988, and I was involved with a group uh, bringing the IndyCar race into Vancouver at that point in time. And uh, when that happened, I was recruited by some drivers to uh, raise funds for them as a sponsorship agent. And uh, the first big client I had was Scott Sharp, who was Paul Newman's godson. <laughs> and then from uh, from him, I went to Buddy Lazier, who won the first Indy 500 I was involved in. And then Ryan Hunter Ray, who also won an Indy 500. And uh, now Scott Dixon, we brought him over when he was a pudgy little 16 year old from New Zealand. And, uh, now he, beyond the multiple championships and Indy 500s that he's won, he's the third most winningest driver in the history of IndyCar behind only AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti. So, uh, I, I had a very, very fortunate, uh, time. Uh, in IndyCar and uh, and motorsports in general, and now uh, working uh, with Marco Kasich, a young man from British Columbia, who is showing promise on par or even ahead of what Scott Dixon did at that point in time. It's just like he's uh, he's channeling Ayrton Senna on the racetrack. He's really a, a, a talent to be looked at. Yeah, and he won the F4 championship this year. Can't argue and, with uh, that. Mechanica, your company, is a sponsor of his car. Correct, yeah. Right. And uh, so we're looking forward to see him on the uh, Formula One support race uh, this coming up November 1st to 3rd, and then in Formula 3 next year, and ideally uh, targeting him in a Formula E, F-E, I guess, career, which I think is going to be bigger than Formula One as we move forward. Right, right. So take us forward chronologically. You're in Indy cars, and then suddenly you're in Silicon Valley working on electric race cars. How, how did that happen? Well, I had a big uh, business success with a environmentally friendly clothing company. And I thought as opposed to representing these drivers, it would be fun to uh, race cars myself and get to know how the racing series worked. So I moved down to Mountain View, California, and I started uh, racing um, Formula Enterprise. And I won the championship in, in 2011 down there. And at the same time, my passion for electric cars moved forward. And I started building electric Le Mans cars at the uh, Moffett Field, the NASA Research Park in Mountain View, California. They invited me to come in there and build these things because they said they were interested in that because where they go, they can't use gas. So that was, I, I'll never forget that punchline. It was great. So I built several cars, uh, founded a company called Clean Speed, and our records still hold at tracks like Sears Point and uh, Laguna Seca. And then from there, came back to uh, Vancouver and met up with Henry Reisner and Paula Reisner, who you know very well, and began loading up our electric drive systems into vehicles like the E-Roadster, the Tofino, and the uh, the famous Solo. Yeah, I mean that was that was when I first met you. Is um, I never forget you invited me 
to uh, the Western Bay Shore one nice sunny afternoon, and uh, you had a Corbin Sparrow, mm-hmm. which was a California-built gasoline car. Correct? Nope. They were, it was they were always electric, but okay. they were using spiral-wound gel cells. It was very, very archaic. Right. So it was a case of saying, okay, I can do better than that. So yeah. that's when we used our lithium iron phosphate batteries, the 18650s that we had right. in there. So it was a completely different uh, vehicle. It was a Sparrow, but it was, it was a completely different thing. It was. This thing had power and yeah. range and everything like that, but it was still a, a goofy kind of a setup. It's very much a collector's car, don't get me wrong but it's not a mass production car. So yeah. using that and saying, hey, what's right or wrong with that? Well, not much was right about it. And that's where we came with a clean sheet design for the Solo, which is, in essence, uh, the, the driver's side of a Corvette C5 uh, in a single electric car. And when people get into it, they go, this feels like a fighter plane cockpit. Right. Well, it is. Yeah. And it's amazing to have all that and electric. I'm, I'm sure that many of the listeners, the Vancouver-based ones anyway, have seen your displays at the Vancouver Auto Show, and it's been remarkable over the years how they've grown um, from almost just like a – I remember the first one was just the, the prototype chassis essentially with no body or anything, a couple of photos on the wall about it. In this last year, you had Marco, the young race car driver, and, and a, a fully staffed booth with two cars, three cars maybe, um, for sale. Retail, you can buy them now, and also, you know, some great specs of the Tofino and some great drawings. So it's amazing how quickly you've come. I guess Silicon Valley things happen quickly, and that's kind of how your mindset was with this company from the beginning. Yeah, correct. We have uh, over half a uh, billion dollars worth of orders of the Solo now. Right. Uh, all around the world, we have a big dealership opened up in Studio City in Los Angeles, and that's our that's our main thrust for what we're doing because. Uh, it's a bigger market, so the cars are, are being made at our factory here in Westminster. Our new factory in uh, in China, which is open up, which is huge, and literally tens of thousands of cars coming in, looking at other uh, facilities for building them in the United States, uh, Europe. Uh, the the Solo is essentially the Volkswagen Beetle for the 21st century. You think you need more, but you really don't. When you drive it, it becomes as addictive as using your smartphone because you can't really put put it down. When you drive the Soul and you realize you can park it anywhere and it doesn't use gas, they just announced that this July was the hottest month on record, on record in history. That's got to scare the crap out of everybody. So our company's mission at Electromechanica is to close the last gas station. Not only is that a good idea for the environment, but electric cars are just a better car. So people, once they drive the electric car, they go, wow, why was I still driving a gas car? We need people to not just look at cars like the Solo, but come in and test drive them and then figure out how to get one into their life. And the minute you do that and you drive an electric car, you will no sooner go back to a gas car than you would get off the internet and go back to using a fax machine. One thing that I've always liked about the company is you're very committed to staying in Canada as as your your base. I'm wondering how your relationship or how the, the, the company has interacted with different levels of government. I mean, have you had support? Have you had interest. I know Trudeau was out here during the last election and wanted to get in one and you didn't really want that to happen. Well, there's not a lot of support in Canada. There's a lot of support around the world. And really, this is a global issue. Uh, but it's it's uh, there, there hasn't to date been a lot of support. There's been a lot of talk and hopefully there's things percolating that could come uh, forward. But it saddens me that we have a, our biggest factory in China 
It saddens me that we have our, our biggest next factories being discussed in uh, America, United States, and in Europe. Uh, and at the same time, uh, the federal government chooses to put $4.5 billion into a bitumen pipeline. Uh, what the heck is up with that? Is right. it 1920? Right. That makes absolutely no sense to anybody. So while, while we're, you know, having, uh, declaring climate crises everywhere, there's a bitumen pipeline that your tax dollars were spent on buying? Did I miss something here? No. That money, four and a half billion dollars, that's about 10 times more than the U.S. government gave to Tesla to launch a groundbreaking company. That's, and they're global. Why would you spend 10 times that on a leaky, filthy, backwards fossil fuel pipeline? Can somebody explain that to me? If Canada had spent half that money on electric vehicle, geothermal and all that, we'd be world leaders, jobs everywhere. Come on, guys. Are you pursuing government at this point in Canada or have you kind of closed that door? I mean, you're obviously, last year was a big year for you guys. You set up the Chinese factory, as you mentioned, you got listed on NASDAQ, which is a big One year deal. ago, yeah. One year ago, right, yeah. this summer, last summer. So, I mean, have you kind of moved on from that or are you still in discussions the with door the, is always open with industry? you know are the door is always open we have various applications out there you right. know and it's uh it's a frustrating thing sometimes my government relations people won't even allow me to be on the phone at the same time as talking <laughs> to the bureaucrats right because they just go oh yeah that that person didn't know what they were talking about right. so don't worry about that but when i hear some of the rubbish coming out there it's it's really not at the level of where it should be the wrong people are in charge of uh actioning the global climate uh issues that we have here uh so uh, it it's a bit of a it's a bit of a a mystery as to why from the top down more emphasis and put on jobs that are going to be around for the next 50 100 years as opposed to a job that was lost 20 years ago uh, and and still trying to kill the planet for some Political reason, because somebody funded some campaign somewhere along the way. Even the Koch brothers are starting to sell off their oil industry le- leases and uh, just letting them lapse because they get it, right? Yeah. So come on, Canada, let's get in the game. So if listeners think that uh, Jerry Kroll has a uh, future in politics, he's actually gone down that road a few years ago. You ran for the Green Party provincially, correct? That's right. And, uh, but I'm a supporter of anybody, right? I voted, uh, I voted, uh, for the current federal government last year or last, you know, two, three, four years ago now. Yeah. Uh, because it was time, uh, time for a change. And we were all told certain things that didn't really happen the way they were advertised. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, this year. It's not a case of wanting to be in a, po- in politics. We know that business and political leaders control our very future. Uh, for banning gasoline and, and promoting electric vehicles. So we have to admit that and do whatever we can. Either we vote, we run, we spend our money on things that aren't harmful for the environment, even things like Beyond Meat uh, that lessen CO2 emissions and methane emissions. Those are great things, and those companies should be supported, and companies that do the opposite and politicians that do the opposite should be punished. Today's Plugged In is sponsored by Motorino Electric Scooters, Electric Motorcycles, and Electric Bicycles. Drop by the Vancouver store on West 2nd and test drive the Super Soco TCEV Motorcycle, a bike that is the most popular electric motorcycle in Europe. 
What is distinctive about the Super Soco TC model is a blend between the beautiful classic design and the latest technology innovations relating to the battery, motor and controller. Combined with a well-engineered body, the TC is the perfect piece of urban transportation that brings a smile on your face the moment you twist the throttle. You can see it in the Motorino showroom or check it out at motorino.ca. Getting back to Mechanica, you know, you have the uh, ability to look back to when you started the company. Looking back, I mean, every company makes mistakes, footsteps the wrong way. Is there one thing that you kind of think you, if you had a chance, you'd do differently? Uh, it's been a, a dream ride and all of our shareholders are, are really pleased. The fact that uh, it's been 20 years of working on this for me, but we incorporated the company five years ago. Right. We're listed on NASDAQ, $100 million market cap. The cars are coming in now by the hundreds from the big factory. Uh, we have our new CEO, Paul Rivera, taking over as of this past Monday. Uh, and this is a man with 25 years of industry experience with Ricardo. He was the president of Ricardo U.S. Operations. And hardly anybody knows who that is, but they build every single McLaren engine for every McLaren car, every single BMW motorcycle motor. It's a huge company, but he saw the beauty in the solo and how this is going to revolutionize, not just going from gas to electric, but also you don't need to drive a five-person car if you're one person commuting, which you're doing 95% of the time. Right. Um, it is the iPhone for the road. So he's come on board now with all that resource and all kinds of other people coming on board now. So this has really been a dream ride. Uh, it's moved faster than I thought it would. Uh, thanks to uh, people like yourself, uh, who are illuminating the fact that electric cars can do what they do, uh, we really are seeing uh, things turn. And I really think that not only with the, the beauty of electric cars coming out like the solar now, but also with the raising of the uh, real estate prices, that the last gas station that we can find should be closed within five years. I really do think that's a possibility. Obviously, the landscape from a manufacturer point of view for EVs is different from when, amazingly, five years ago, uh, VW has recently committed $35 billion to essentially transform their company. Some see it as a massive gamble. They see it as survival. Um, they say that within 10 years, 2030, four out of 10 of their vehicles will be electrified. Some hybrid, but a lot electric. That's going to become an even more crowded landscape to sell these cars. How does a company like Mechanica navigate those waters? I mean, how do you survive when the big fish start really producing these kind of cars? Yeah, we think the big fish will survive despite their latency in getting into the electric vehicle game. Uh, innovation has been around. Uh, we ha as a company have been around since 1959, as you well know, right. uh, despite Volkswagens and Chrysler's uh, uh, and, and Ford's and GM's bankruptcies and things like that and coming back and forth. We've survived as a company that long by right. being innovative. Uh, and with the Solo, there is no car like the Solo out there. It is, it is a leader. It is like the iPhone or the Blackberry that nobody saw coming. And once people drive it, and you can go to any one of our shops and do a test drive for free. Once you drive it, you go, why aren't these things everywhere? Well, right. they will be everywhere. Right. It's, and I really, it's sorry to interrupt. It's uniqueness being a single seater. Single seater with luggage room and delivery room in the back. Right. So you've got last mile delivery, you've got car share, and you've got commuting covered. This is, these are like 
hundreds of millions of people that are driving by themselves in a big car. That's like if you looked at the sidewalk and everybody was carrying a desktop computer to check their email and you came up with the idea for a BlackBerry or an iPhone. It's a big market. And I fully expect companies like Volkswagen, Honda, Toyota to uh, copy us hmm. with the one-person car, right. which doesn't uh, replace your family sedan, but it uh, supplements it in the right. same way that you would uh, supplement your desktop computer with an iPhone. Fact of the matter is, your iPhone is your primary computer. And anybody listening to this podcast, if they think about it, you use your iPhone way more than your desktop. It is your primary computer, just like the solo will be your primary car. Something you touched upon just earlier, saying that the company's been around since 59. Um, for listeners that don't know, Mechanica's origin is actually a company called Intermechanica that uh, was founded by a, a Hungarian gentleman and his wife um, from Czechoslovakia. Out of, uh, But they were Canadians. They went to Europe, 50s, um, late 50s, and started building uh, beautiful small sports cars. And the Italia... The Endura, the you know some very interesting cars and historic cars. Um, in the name of full disclosure, I know this because I wrote a biography of the gentleman Frank Reisner, and um, Henry was a fan of theirs. They moved to Vancouver in about 1980 and started building uh, Porsche Roadster and Speedster replicas. Um, many companies do this; they arguably do the best ones in the world. And what Jerry saw in them, which is Frank's son Henry was a craftsman, old world, who hand-built cars. And Jerry recognized that for his solo to become the vision he wanted to be, he needed a guy like that. Um, I think at one point you told me you could have gone to UBC and got a couple of grad students, but there's no way you would have been able to pull it off. So you had the foresight to connect with Intermechanica. Um, it then became, well, it, it's kind of confusing. So Intermechanica was that that company. Jerry's first company was called Electromechanica. Jerry and Henry worked for years together, putting this together. Recently, recently last year? Correct. Acquired uh, Intermechanica. So uh, it's all one company now under right. Electromechanica. And Henry is a wizard. He's always been. He grew up at the car businesses in his DNA. For sure. You know that as well. Right. And it's not just about putting four wheels on a, on a body and moving it forward. It has to feel right. Right. And every time you drive a Solo or any one of the Mechanica cars... You go, wow, this feels awesome. Right. Uh, that's what you need. I guess Farfugnugan is what Volkswagen calls it. But you, you don't want to spend another 60 years trying to get to that level and figure it out. Yeah, so, right. And Henry and his family, to their credit, recognized this in 2013 when I flew Henry down and we did a tour, uh, covert tour of the Fremont Tesla facility. His family said, we have to stop burning gas. We yeah. have to move to electric. This is the future. Even Paula said that. Yeah. That's the future. And here we are. Uh, with a huge company, a dynamic new leader in Paul Rivera moving things forward, and the interest and enthusiasm of people around the world, including the financial uh, base of uh, Manhattan with the NASDAQ. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's been just a wonderful deal. Yeah, and, and coming down the pike is an extremely exciting car. I know Henry is very excited about it because in many ways it's kind of it, – it connects the two companies, the old world and new, new world, and that's the Tofino which is a two-seat roadster, kind of in a Porsche roadster um, vibe, but fully electric. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge success already with the pre-orders. Um, if you think uh, something like a very stylish Miata, smaller, inexpensive vehicle around the $50,000, $49,000 mark, but electric, 250 miles, 0 to 60 in six seconds, not, not going to push your eyeballs into the back of your head, 
but the beautiful car that if you're going to college, that's the car that you want. Or if you want a second car as a sports car, that's what you want. Push button, away you go. Fast charging. And uh, it, it is my intention to make the Tofino one of the first cars to have as an option uh, 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 wireless charging. So induction charging, right. so that you can set up a, a system or use city uh, escapes without plugging it in, driving it over a parking spot that has induction charging, and be able to charge without plugging it in. This will replace plug-in EV chargers in the same way that Wi-Fi has replaced plugging into the internet, and that's going to happen really rapidly. So when are we going to see Tofino's on the road? Uh, you'll see the first one by the end of this year. That's the plan. So we already have the... Uh, the RFQs and everything being put into place. And there's a huge story I'm not allowed to tell you about, but it's very exciting for me. And I'm just biting my tongue not to tell you this. Uh, and then they should begin uh, deliveries next well, year. Well, you have to promise when you can tell the story, you'll come back and tell I'll make our, you sign some sort of a paper so I can tell you. And you right. can't tell anybody other until it actually happens. But uh, the Tofino is as uh, groundbreaking and revolutionary as the Soul, not just because it's electric, which is brilliant, but because of what it is and what it does for people. Yeah. Puts a smile on their face. And that's been the hallmark of Mechanica since 1959. And you've, you've had some involvements from, from some big hitters. You've been, been dealing with Williams Engineering mm -hmm. in, in England about that. So... Yep, I, I went all through uh, England and Europe and Italy and different places visiting unnamed companies that have great interest in uh, what Mechanica has done and what Mechanica is doing. As recently as just yesterday, a group uh, with thick European accents came over and they went, we thought we were going to see a PowerPoint. We didn't realize you had these things we could drive. And they were thrilled because if you think the solo makes sense in Vancouver or Los Angeles, wait till you put them on the streets of Paris, London, or, or Rome. Wow. You know, or Tokyo for that matter. It's a world car. Uh, and then probably the first world car because no matter where you send them, you don't have to move the steering wheel from one side to the other. So it really is a brilliant piece of Canadian innovation. And I like it at some point to even, uh, refer to our company as almost like the next Canadian Avro. Uh, Mechanica is, in fact, a company that all Canadians can and should be proud of on a world stage. Going to get you out of here on this last question. So we often hear, I've been hearing it for 10 years, is the EV tipping point. When is the tipping point coming? From your perspective, what will signal the tipping point? Will it be as simple as when more EVs are sold than gas cars? Um, how How do you gauge that? Yeah, the tipping point will happen when a consumer available electric car can blow away a Dodge Demon on a drag strip, which happened about three years ago. So you believe the tipping point? The we tipping we point passed the tipping point. If we, if we right now put out a, a questionnaire for people, who wants an electric car? The answer is everybody does, right? That's the tipping point passed. If the iPhone 11 comes out and you say, who wants an iPhone 11 instead of the iPhone 6 or iPhone 10 that you have now? Answer is everybody. Electric vehicles from anybody, be it Audi, Tesla, Mechanica, are just better cars than gas cars. And quite frankly, it's embarrassing to still be driving a gasoline car in the year 2019, let alone next year. So the tipping point has happened as people drive cars like the Model 3, beautiful car, Nobody can nobody can name a better car in gas or anything. It's just a better car. It's $45,000, people. Go out and get it. You don't need to make the gas companies rich anymore. The tipping point has been passed. 
when we reduce the gas uh, uh, consumption by 10%, everybody knows that any business, the last 10% is your profit. When that gas pump business goes down by 10%, those gas stations are operating basically at break-even, and they know which direction they're going. They will close down, and pretty soon you'll have to go to Abbotsford to get a $200 tank of gasoline. Or you can plug in at, in your in your garage. Which are you going to do? If you buy a gas car today, within two years, you'll have owned, you own a, a VHS. You don't know what to do. Nobody's going to buy it off of you. So make the jump today. Get an electric car. I don't care where it's from. You can test drive a solo. We've got the cars available. The Teslas are awesome. But do yourself a favor. Don't don't hurt yourself by buying yet another gasoline car. Okay. Jerry Kroll, Chief Visionary Officer at Mechanica. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Andrew. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jerry Kroll. Here's my takeaway. Since the first time I met him years ago, I was struck immediately by his passion for not just his dream of producing an electric vehicle, but electric vehicles in general. Like all successful startup entrepreneurs, Jerry was and remains laser-focused on his product, in the case of Mechanica, the single-seat all-electric solo. His ability to raise tens of millions of dollars in the pursuit of his dream is a testament to that passion. That he did it without any government money only adds to the Mechanica mystique. As an aside, I can't help but think had Mechanica been based in other parts of Canada, federal dollars would have flowed into the coffers of an electric vehicle maker. Just think of the photo ops. But I think Jerry's passion clouds his thinking when it comes to his time frame for society extracting itself from fossil fuels. Of course, he's not alone in his objective of putting the last gas station out of business, but I believe we are still decades away from that reality, if not more. Much of the world's economy is fueled by oil and coal, and will continue to be into the foreseeable future. The world of electric vehicles is complicated, and as much as the noble intentions of visionaries like Jerry Kroll like to make it seem simple, it is far from it. For example, there's a pretty good chance that the Chinese factory that is making the Solos gets some, if not all, of its electricity from a dirty source. That's just the reality. All that said, I still can't help but like and admire Jerry Kroll. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest Jerry Kroll, producer extraordinaire Darm Makwana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca and subscribe to the Plugged In podcast on your favorite app.